I don't know. Buona giornata, buona serata, buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get that ditch. You don't have to get that ditch. Attaccare! Welcome back to the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Nick DeBono and Josh Parrish here. We're back. Big weekend coming up, obviously, in Europe. You wait for Champions League. Action is back. And, of course, we're now joined by a very special guest from The Guardian, from Stan Sport FC. We're very privileged to be joined here by Max Rushton. Max, welcome. Me. Do, do I sound like I've got a fan on? I don't know if, it's, if you can hear the fan. It's quite a hot country, this. And so... <laughs> I sort of blow air on myself whenever I can. This this room is not there's air conditioning in the kitchen, but Mrs. Rushton's in the kitchen, so I'm in the what we call the studio. It's a fancy name for just another room. But as long as you can't hear the fan, no, then we're, we're good to go. Okay, excellent. No, Happy. no, I'm very well. Thanks for having me. Oh, good. Is this a heat wave for you, Max? <clears throat> this is this is just about acceptable. I think this is 29 today. There was some days where it was 20, it was 33, and really. That's not inhabitable for humans, and I and I, I'm really I'm slightly confused as to why they built a city in a place that would get that hot. It seems a really seems naive at best, doesn't it? So I'm and it's funny the grass is always greener. We're sitting there going, God, can we just can we just have one day of zero? Could we just have one in the middle of like six days of thirty three, just one of zero, and you can regulate your temperature with coats? But I know that when I try and complain to my friends back home. I'm saying it's 33 degrees today. You you get short shrift. They are not. But for some reason, you don't get any sympathy. I don't know why that is. Well, your life's turned upside down recently as your Twitter followers nice. can't help but uh, remind you at every available opportunity, Max. Tell us a little bit about the move to Australia, how it came about and why you chose this little footballing backwater to, to bring your talents yeah. to. <laughs> well, um, I foolishly married an Australian woman uh, uh, a few years ago and um, she kept banging on about how it was cold in England and how, you know, she missed her family and friends and all these things. And I was like, okay, well, I said, look, well, we'll move to Australia. If I can get a job, we'll move to Australia. And I kind of meant it, but I also knew that there's like probably two jobs I could do here, right? You know, I'm not like, it's not like there are a million. If I was a tradie, you know, that'd be fine. You know, it would have been here about 10 years ago, but I'm not. Um, I'm completely incompetent at most things. So I sort of thought, well, look, we'll never get offered. I'll never go. I could do the Premier League or the Champions League, right? There's sort of nothing else I could do. I can't really do the A League. Don't know the history. Too old to learn it. I can't just do sort of general sport because obviously AFL is so huge here. NRL is so huge in Sydney. I don't know anything about those sports at all. And football, you can't bluff football fans, right? You know, if 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 you don't know, they know you don't know, right? It's really really clear. And so. I, I've done, I've done, you know, I, I sort of years ago started doing stuff on SEN with Francis Leach and, you know, just little phone calls, you know, the football's happening, a bit like these kind of things, right? People ring me up and say, can you just spout some rubbish and fill 10 minutes? I'd be like, fine, I'll do that. And, um, and then I started doing a bit of stuff for Fox and then I did some stuff for Optus and then just around the Euros when, um, 
you know, that company that didn't actually exist, it was just a man had bought the Champions League rights. <laughs> and everyone was like, <laughs> and then like, then I think UEFA said, can you give us some money, please? And he was like, oh, I'll bring it tomorrow or like the next day. Yeah, like, it's just, I've got it. Honestly, I'm good for it. And eventually they were like, this does not seem amazingly professional. Um, and then Stan got it. And I'd, I'd never heard of Stan. So just and, another uh, random man named yeah, Stan. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, I really utterly convinced it was just Stan Lazaridis <laughs> saying, I love Champions League. I'm going to buy it. And um, so, but then the the exec producer at Stan, it, it does the rugby as well, is Murray Shaw, who I've known for a long time. And I can't remember, I think I messaged him or he messaged me and I sort of said, you know, sort of said, we were loosely chatting about, you know, could I do like pitch side stuff? And so I, I just sort of said, why don't I come over and do all of it? Thinking he'd go, ha, 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 no, because that's what normally happens when you try and get jobs in this industry, as I'm sure you're both aware. Um, and he went, all right. And then I was like, oh, oh no. I know actually this is actually could happen, <laughs> right? And then me and my, we've been, I've been working pretty intensely. Weird, I was very lucky in the pandemic that, you know, I actually got more work because most of my work in the UK was not delivering the live sport. It was, you know, filling the hours around it. And um, so I was asked to do a lot more of that because they just needed people who <laughs> didn't mind if there were no games. Like, oh, we've got three hours. Can you just come up with something? So I've been working really hard and we just finished the Euros and we were doing a pod every night for The Guardian. And I'd, we sort of booked like a holiday just in Cornwall in the southwest of England. And I was like, we'd had our train ticket at eight o'clock train. And we we're just looking forward to this black coffee, sitting on the train, ready to just switch everything off, turn off social media, forget about football for two weeks, whatever. And that's sort of when the job of us came in. So like you're waking up every day with like another email going, what about this? What about this? And you're sort of stressed out going, do I want to move to the other side? Do we want to go? And my, my wife who found London really difficult place because when she first got there, because it's a big city, it's a lonely place. But, you know, by the end of nine years, you know, she's sort of, she's, she's a nice human being. So she had some friends and then she was like, ah, oh, do we want to go? And so we were really stressed about it. And then we were looking at what was happening with lockdown See, the UK had unlocked because it unlocks just all the time mm. when it perhaps shouldn't. And Australia was, you know, like basically if there was one case in Darwin, the whole country would lock down. And we were looking at that going, this doesn't, this seems like a really strange time to move to Australia. But then we were like, look, if we don't try this, if we don't give it a go, we'll never go. This was like, this is sort of now or never type thing. And I guess, you know, without wanting to sort of get too cliche about it, you've got two options on the table and one is more of an adventure than the other one, then you've kind of got to take the plunge. And and then and then it all happened incredibly quickly, sort of did the deal with Stan and they were amazing and showed a lot of faith in me. Um, and uh, then I sort of had a meeting like the next day with my employers back in the UK, so with The Guardian and with TalkSport and just said, I'm moving to Australia, can I keep on my work, please? And they both went, yeah, right. And that was amazing. I mean, that was before the pandemic, that would never have happened. I think viewers and listeners have got much more forgiving about those kind of things. And I think the technology is sort of quite extraordinary. The Guardian pod we'd been doing remotely anyway for two years because, and what we'd found with doing the pod remotely was, whereas previously, if you wanted to be on the pod or the panelists, we'd have to get them to central London for nine o'clock on a Monday or a Wednesday or a Thursday. You know, and if we ever called Sid Lowe out in Spain, he'd be on like a terrible phone line or on mm. a train. And now we can just do, you know, an hour with 
you know, Sid's in Madrid. Jonathan Wilson might be at AFCON in Cameroon. I'm in Australia. Barry's obviously just in his house in Brixton. Um, and like, and the quality, like the sound quality for the listeners is no different. And I think that's fascinating. The radio, I was convinced, you know, we'd fall off air after five minutes and they'd be like, no, that's not happening. But I've been really lucky again, like Channel 9 have helped me get studios and stuff. So I do Saturday night and Sunday night in Australia for Saturday morning, Sunday morning in the UK. And we don't lie about where I am. We're really honest. And I think that's a really important part of broadcasting mm. is you are honest about all parts of it. And But we don't make a big deal of it. So, you know, if it's pelting down with rain in Burnley and, you know, the, the game might be off, I don't go... God, I've had a long day at the beach today and it's a bit sunburned, you know, <laughs> but, but, but we don't lie about it. But I think, um, you know, and what I was really lucky with Stan was, or back to that honesty thing, was when, they, when we chatted to them, a problem that I found with the coverage of live sport a lot is, you know, if you've got the rights, you want to say this is the best football on earth. Now, you're lucky with the Champions League because it often is, but not every game is brilliant, right? Well, not every football match is brilliant. And I just said, look, I, I don't want to... I don't want to come off a bad game of football and pretend that it's been amazing because football fans can see through it. I'm convinced they can see through it. If I'm watching a Premier League game, that is rubbish. I know it's rubbish. And the same goes for, you know, and that doesn't bother me. I'm a Cambridge fan. I've watched a lot of rubbish football, trust me, you know. And so, and, and Stan were totally cool with that. I wanted, to, I wanted to be part of a team that feels like they're people you'd like to sit down and watch a game with at the same time as giving, a, you know, giving the, the right balance of entertainment and analysis right if it's not entertaining doesn't matter how good the analysis is people aren't interested uh, but if it's not if you don't bring any analysis then what is the point <laughs> do you know what I mean like what are you doing you might as well just listen to your mate in the pub so that I was really keen on that they were great about that and 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 hopefully you know I know you wrote something nice Josh so that's nice you know that was that that, that was really <laughs> well, thank you for doing that um and um but like, hopefully we get that right you know and and I've been lucky with getting all my mates, you know, from the pod who are, you know, know everything about football um, to, to come on and be part of it. And once again, but, you know, two years ago, you'd never got someone on a Zoom call on a live TV show. Mm. People just said, this looks rubbish. But, you know, they, you know, it's great if you can turn to Lars or Andy Brassel or someone and just go, oh, look, tell us about Benfica's left back. And they know, and they're not just bluffing it. That's just such, that adds so much. And then what's really, what's great as well is, you know, me, Foz and Boz really get on, you know, and there's no guarantees that's going to happen. Like the, it feels to me like there's a really good chemistry. I would say that, but it really feels like that. Mm. And they've both been incredibly welcoming. Essentially, they were my chauffeurs because I was in Sydney for three months because of quarantine and, mm. and, um, and COVID. I couldn't, my wife came over to Melbourne, but I was in Sydney for three months. So I didn't really know anybody and I didn't have a car. So they just picked me up and we just go places, you know. Well, it's nice to have two legendary socceroos just basically being your uber drivers for yeah. three months well talking about the dynamic you're the middleman between you know you got the 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 fun boz you know it's always like almost as josh described tickle me elmo laughing you know yeah. almost every few minutes and you got foz who's almost the the cool calm collected head how do you balance that as a host how, have you found that dynamic i mean actually i think it's perfect right i don't think it actually takes that much balancing it's not like I think you. I think mm. what you don't want is people to be the same, right? And 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 you don't want um, you want people to bring different skills to the to the show, right? What I think is interesting is 
Foz has got a sense of humour and Boz is good at analysis. It's not like, it's not like just one, you know, it's not like you've just got a comedian and a deadpan, like, <laughs> automaton, right? And so I guess your job is just to, it's just to make it flow, right? It's to make it all be as seamless as possible. I'm not, you know, that I'm, I, I don't mind things going wrong particularly, but it's just, it's just what can you, what, what can you get out of both of them that perhaps, you know, and they're really good anyway. Like, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I like to think I'm playing an important role here, but I, I was amazed that they'd never worked together because they, because they, it feels like they've worked together. And, and I, I mean, like Foz's analysis is brilliant. And that touchscreen, when I first saw that, I was a bit like, oh, God, I've seen some boring touchscreens, you know, just using it for the sake of using it. Like, yeah. what are you, why are you showing me that? I know that. Yeah. And, and actually where he is brilliant is, you know, he's, he's, is watching the game and going, right, we'll take that cut from minute 16, that from 23 and that from 27. And that shows you why, you know, I don't know, Liverpool are outnumbering them down the right-hand side. And so you're actually getting it like a 50-second or, you know, once you get to half-time, you're getting two minutes where perhaps as a fan you hadn't necessarily spotted that. You can see that Salah is clear and maybe it's just because he's brilliant and that's the analysis, but actually you can get a bit more depth to that. And they're brilliant. And Boz has an energy... Like he, like, so, so we get in at, I don't know, we'll probably get in about five o'clock uh, on, on Wednesday morning. Um, and me and Foz will get in a little bit before him. And then just, you can hear him from about a mile away, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's saying, he is like yelling hello to like everybody. I presume everybody on his way from his house to, <laughs> to the studios, right? And it, that energy is totally infectious. And you really need that at, at, at like five in the morning. And what is also great is like the whole crew, so like the cameramen, the floor managers, sound guys, all those guys, and 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 the production crew, they're all massive football fans. There aren't huge opportunities to work on football in Australia. And so all those guys, and they do a lot of the rugby stuff, they love football. They are really excited to be there. They all want to be there. So there's a real feeling like on set, like when we get in, like everyone's just sitting on that sofa just watching the watching the early kickoff if we're not cover, if we're not doing that game then we're all just sitting there watching it and that's and that's great because if you've got a good feeling and i don't necessarily you know you've got to be lucky that there's just you know it, it, it's not up to anybody to lead that it's a kind of organic thing without sort of trying to make tv sound too highfalutin and fancy it's just a really nice atmosphere and you don't always get that you know like like and you don't always get it forever, but like at the moment it's great and everyone gets along and then you don't feel like you're working. And then you go to the canteen, have some peanut butter on toast and it's nine o'clock in the morning and everyone's going to work and you're done. Have a nap. Happy days. I was going to ask, how have you adjusted to, you know, the kickoffs in the middle of the night? I mean, the Champions League mornings are one thing, but the Premier League uh, nightmare hour of, of, you know, 2am or 3am is, is something else. Yeah, I don't, I'm not getting up at two in the morning. You know, like if I've got a whole day. So, so I've got You can to... just ask Wilson what happened, right? You know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, he can tell, maybe he, maybe he didn't watch it, but I'll just believe him. It's interesting. In the UK, so I would do Saturday morning radio. I'd go and play football all day. Um, and I'd go to the bar after the game. I'd go home. Me and my, you know, I might, me and my wife might go out for dinner or something. I might not see any of those Saturday live games in the UK. I'd get up on Sunday morning and watch match of the day. And my, analysis or my chat about the games on the radio would be from watching the highlights mainly and I'd probably watch you know I'd watch most of Super Sunday so I guess the difference is now I'll still watch match of the day 
um and and that is you know that's key and it's a nice link to home and um you know get my analysis from that and if it's a really big i don't mind just the early kickoff can be quite good especially with the time difference that saturday night one mm. but i love sleep so much <laughs> that i just watch a lot of the highlights if it's a big game i might get up at seven and not find out the scores and just watch that you know if it's a you know when liverpool play city i can't it's in april the ninth or whatever i probably won't get out of bed at three in the morning but i'll just get up at seven and watch it as live and just turn off my phone and i think that's that's sort of acceptable when when Cambridge played Newcastle in the FA Cup I watched that live mm. that was my first kind of 3am 3am kickoff was it yeah, so I was up at I can't remember 2 2 in the morning mm. and it was okay I mean it's tough it's tough like credits to and that, I, I think what's interesting about that is quite often in the UK I think we kind of um, we kind of look down on look down is perhaps not the right word but we sort of view foreign fans in a slightly different way as if they're not as authentic as us and um and actually that's sort of not really fair you know somebody is a massive manchester united fan and they're getting out of bed at two in the morning every saturday night sunday morning that is a commitment that you know an armchair manchester united fan who can watch pretty much every game at four in the afternoon doesn't have and i think you know that whole idea of um you know there are the biggest clubs in the premier league you know the, the idea that tourists fill the stadium well you know if you're a fan in south korea and you get your one chance to go to anfield or the emirates or Tottenham Hotspur stadium or whatever then like fair play to you for that and then i think so so i have a i have a newfound respect for the australian football fans like, champions league is perfect right mm. i prefer that like get up watch it get on with your day i think that's great i've actually found the broadcasting for the UK in the evening more difficult than I've found getting up to do the Champions League. Like, I'm always like, I've been a breakfast show person for years. And when I've done late shows, I've always been like, oh, it feels a bit late. Why am I going to yeah. work now? It's 10 o'clock at night. Um, but like, again, if you try and complain to say, ah, oh, oh, I've got to go to work for two hours to talk about football. This is, <laughs> this is at 10 in the evening, at, at not that late an hour, you don't get a lot of sympathy. Yeah, well, I mean, with us here, whenever we're used to major tournaments, every single kickoff being two a.m., four a.m. Oh. in the in the dead of winter, you know, the Euros that just passed, you know, we're getting up at all sorts of hours, and for a I lot mean, of you're us, you're Ligon Street. Well, yeah, you? well, myself being an Italian, uh, Max, you know, what, getting to Ligon Street at two a.m. in the morning just to line up yeah. to get inside a cafe to watch the final. I can't believe oh, we managed to bring up that game to an English. Of course, what well, we <laughs> had to, That's we okay. had to. Hear, That's but, okay. I, I, that, no, I, I, I forgive you. I yeah. mean, I wouldn't get. I wouldn't. <laughs> for a, I mean I wouldn't queue for a cafe I'd just about queue for a really nice cafe for brunch on a Sunday morning but at two in the morning I'm, I'm watching that well, at home certainly not to watch England no yeah. no but but Max down down here it was it was raucous it was yeah, unbelievable it was good. yeah it was, it was great. great um but in terms of the Australian football public I mean you're quite a big presence on Twitter you've sort of indoctrinated yourself into soccer Twitter I don't know how much you've yeah. almost <laughs> introduced into it what have your first impressions of the Australian football public been I mean what, what how do you see it well, I, I, I was just doing SEN with Boz for a week, uh, so I was doing summer cover on Drive, and we were sort of talking quite a lot about what I've seen is this kind of permanent existential crisis mm. for all. One thing, I, first thing I found is I think because what's different is in the UK, if you're a football fan, everything is provided for you, right? All the money's thrown at football, all the coverage is football, 
you know, if you're a rugby fan, you get nothing. Like, you know, so I, I'm a, I work on talk sports, but, you know, it is 99% football. It's talk football, really. And so what I get, what I feel from Australian soccer fans is a, like a kind of desperation and a real kind of, a real pride in being a football fan and a real desperation that you're getting a good, you're getting a good deal, like, like that the coverage is good, that things are good, that, that you know, like you're proud and you, you want everything to be good. But I do think it kind of veers into existential crisis. Like I feel that about like whenever the Socceroos play, there's just some like, oh, this could this be the end? And obviously you want to qualify for the World Cup, right? Socceroos qualifying for the World Cup is the same existential crisis as England trying to win a trophy, right? We'll always qualify, barring like, you know, every mm. 40 years we might not. But our existential crisis will never win the thing. And yours is, will we qualify or not? And I understand what a massive deal that is and how much it helps football in this country. Um, but but what I've found with, with the Socceroos and with the A-League as well is, in the A-League, it's like constantly, I'm just constantly asked how good it is. How good is it? Compare it to a league for me. Like, is this lower championship, mid-championship? Is it high league one? What's this? Where would Perth Glory finish in the... Uh, you know, the Germany pyramid, I'm like, well, you know, A, I'm working every time there's an A-League game on, so I've not seen enough of it to have a sort of educated view on it. But like, I sometimes, I don't know. I think it, I think what the A-League needs is 100 years of history, right? What you need is what, what you have in the UK, which is your granddad or your grandmother took you or took your dad or your mom and then they took mm. your kids and it's building that. And I don't know how you, I don't know how you fast track that, mm. you know, because I sort of think, getting every time there's like a big announcement for a big player, you know, they're not that, that is that going to change? By all accounts, Del Piero made a big difference and, you know, he scored one free kick and people still talk about it. Right. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so you sort of think that is such a quick fix and okay, they're going to help. That sort of helps. Right. If, if there are a few big names there, I don't know enough structurally. I find it really strange in all Australian sport that there isn't relegation. Like I find that so bizarre, but maybe there just aren't enough teams. And obviously once it's been set like that, well, you don't want to have relegation because no one wants to lose the money of playing the really big teams. Right. But that would reach, that would be a, a great thing for it. And almost just going like, this is our league. It's not the best league but it's ours. So let's enjoy it. Now, look, if you're, you can't really, that's a weird marketing strategy. You know, if, if, if 10 who just got the rights are just gone, it's not any good, but it's ours. Like you can't put that on a tagline, but that almost would make you go, look, this is, no, that's what you want is you want people to love it for what it is. Like I love Cambridge United. That is not the best football in the world, but I love it because it's just what I was brought up with. And so I guess you just need, you need everybody to, you need people to want to go and want to engage with that. I don't, I mean, it's, I'm not the first person to ask this question. I've been fascinated by, I've played a few games in Sydney and a few games in Melbourne with expats and with Aussies. And, you know, you, when you talk about football afterwards, they've all got a Premier League team, a Serie A team, and few of them have got, not many have got an A-League team. And that's a mm. kind of, that's kind of weird. But I feel there is a sort of, yeah, it's permanent existential crisis. Mm. That's what it feels like to me. Well, that's what happens when you've got a local league that's one TV deal away from, you know, literal bankruptcy yeah, at all yeah. times. So we're always, yeah. every time you turn on Channel 10, they're trying to tell you how good it is. And it does yeah. come ac- across a little bit insincere yeah. when they're the ones but, but, who I are mean, selling that's, it. That's the key. And I, I'm, listen, I'm, I work for Nine, right? there. I, I, I don't know how big rivals networks are, but I imagine, you know, it's, you know, I, I don't want to badmouth another channel because, like, you just want it to be good. But like you say, you can't... Um, 
you can't bluff. You can't BS football fans, right? Mm. Um, I don't think I've ever said BS out loud. I would have (laughs) sworn, but I'm not sure. I know the rules on radio are slightly different. But anyway, you just can't do that. So if the game is rubbish, you've got to say that wasn't the best game. Now, that's easier, granted, if you're talking about the Premier League or the Champions League, because you can feel confident that the next game is going to be great. Or even if it isn't great, it's Inter versus Liverpool. So, you know, it's still Inter versus Liverpool, right? But, But I just think you need to be on it. You need to... Football fans... They they know, right? I mean, not all of them. I ran with t- on Twitter with quite a few of them about you know the laws of the game. But generally, you just can't. You just you can't. Sports fans know when a game is good or when it isn't. They just know. Well, speaking of teams that maybe uh, uh, weren't as good uh, in reality as they look on paper, Paris Saint Germain taking on Real Madrid on on Wednesday morning. How have you found the the messy transfer, the experiment? You've shown a lot of PSG games on stand as, as the feature match. Uh, where do you think it's going to come together or, or will it? I mean, it's an eternal question, isn't it? You you, um, you feel, I'm sort of quoting Lars Sivertson here, you know, that like the, the irony of Pochettino getting a massive club and, and you know, what he what Pochettino wants is to build youth and, you know, vitality and, and then just give him, you know, and high pressing and then giving him these three players that are clearly brilliant, but just are not going to do anything off the ball. But look, I mean, the, the point is you can never, and the beauty of the Champions League, I guess, is you could just never write any team off over two games, right? They they are obviously running away with Liga as they normally do. I mean, they, I know they didn't last year. Um, and they've shown glimpses, right? You know, they, they showed it at the weekend, what an injury time when Messi just jinked past a man and gave it to Mbappe. When you've got players who are that good, and Real Madrid aren't the Real Madrid, even though they're top of, of, of uh, La Liga, you know, they're not the Real Madrid that we kind of think they are, even though they've still got that midfield mm. three who are ageless. Uh, you know, look, I, I would expect... Would I expect Real Madrid to get through this game? I just don't know. I, I think it's really impossible to... It's impossible to call. You know, Real Madrid are like... You know, Gareth Bale playing his first game for... 300 years for them at the weekend. I mean, he looked pretty bright, didn't he? Because he's clearly a very talented player. But I, I think it's um, I think it's a fascinating game. You know, it's just one of those when it's drawn out of the hat, it's drawn out of the hat and you just think, this is fascinating because I haven't got a clue. I mean, mm. genuinely, genuinely think either team could win 4-0 or, you know, or it could be probably, probably be tight and cagey and 1-1 or something like that in the first leg. But, you know, I, I, I find it weird, Messi not in a Barca shirt. I find it weird you know, reminding myself of the fixtures of the last 16 and Barca not even being in it. That was weird. I kept scrolling down. Where are, where are Barca? And I'm sure they were just automatically going the draw. Um, I think it's a really, I'm really, when you get to the last 16, the, the draw gets great and it's a great game for us to start with, I think. What's the fixture you're most looking forward to, Max? There's some very, very interesting ones that come up over the next two weeks. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested in Inter Liverpool because... Um, and all my knowledge comes from just listening to what people tell me on the pod. So like, I could, I guess now I, now I know it, it's mine, but like, I think Inter, I think like I watched the, the, the Napoli or the highlights of the Napoli game. I mean, they could have got stuffed actually by, by Napoli at the weekend and Liverpool are a really good run of form, you know, and Jota is playing brilliantly. Mane and Salah came straight back into the team. I think Luis Diaz is a really good signing. Uh, a, a few, like a month or two ago, people were sort of saying, actually, this inter side are pretty good and Liverpool should watch them. But I 
I think Liverpool will have too much, but it's just a brilliant romantic fixture that. Mm. And the two kits are great. You know, they're beautiful, yeah. a beautiful set of kits on a football pitch. That me- that means something to me. Just to, it'll just look great as well. And and uh, like I hope I hoping to do themselves justice. You know, like I think from a from a sort of viewership. You know, for stand subscription, I need Liverpool and Manchester United to just get to the final. And then, you know, like, they'll all go, we've got a million subscribers, and I'll say it's all down to me. And it's actually just down to the fact that there are lots of Manchester United Liverpool fans here. But I'd be, I'm fascinated to see that game. But look, that, look, the whole draw is interesting, and there aren't too many games that are absolutely nailed on, I don't think. Well, Nick won't like this, but I think this inter Liverpool tie is a good barometer for uh, Serie A and the Premier League as to mm, which mm, league the reigns yeah. supreme. We'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. PSG Real Madrid coming up on Wednesday morning. Inter versus Liverpool on Thursday. The two headline fixtures. Max, we know you've got to go and uh, record Football Weekly. I think so. Thank you so much for. Uh, well, I've got to have a. Home. I've got to have a a a, a bean stew first with some <laughs> roasted tomatoes. And uh, it's good to get some vegetables in. And then I've got to do football week. Just to give you, if you wanted a chronology of yeah. my day, then I might go for a walk and have a game of Scrabble with Mrs. Rushton afterwards. Well, Sounds enjoy your beans, Stu. Enjoy your game Thanks. of Scrabble and enjoy your podcast. Everyone can hear Thanks you on Guardian on. Football Weekly and see you on Stand Sport. Max Rushton, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. We'll go to- Sometimes I feel, I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata. Buona serata. Buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get a bad You don't have to get a bad Attaccare!